Hey everybody, I'm John Gould. And I'm Nagin Muscati, and this is This Real Estate Life, the official podcast of the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park office. We have so many amazing real estate agents in our office, each with their own unique gifts and personalities, and we really just wanted to create a podcast where you can celebrate those individuals and learn a little bit about real estate along the way. Yeah, so whether you're a real estate agent yourself or just curious to learn more about what we do every day, this is the podcast for you. So thanks for joining us and we hope you love the journey. Woohoo! Welcome to This Real Estate Life, the Baird & Warner Lincoln Park podcast where we showcase and highlight the different gifts and talents our Baird & Warner agents have. Today's guest is Jackie Hinton. Woo! Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. John and I were sitting in rooms across from each other right now, and I could literally hear that woo through two <laughs> sets of glass doors. So just so you know how excited he is to have you on the podcast today, Jackie. I wasn't sure if his intro was <laughs> over, if I should interrupt. So I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we're excited to have you. Um, I am so grateful that you're here. Obviously, we you know met at another brokerage, and you joined Baird & Warner almost a year ago now. It's mm -hmm. yeah. your third year in real estate. Um, you transitioned from, you know, previously being in teaching and every year you just keep doing better. And this year you're, you're like one of the top agents in our office and just the growth that we've gotten to see in your success over the course of the last 12 months has been awesome. So, um, especially knowing you before you came here too, I'm thrilled not just to have you here today, but as a part of our Lincoln Park office. Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. I mean, it's been super interesting kind of joining an office almost a year ago, pre-pandemic, and then kind of getting in the groove in a few months, and then yeah. COVID hits and offices shut down. And but it's been it's been awesome. Good. Well, we're very happy to have you and learn a whole lot about you on this podcast. So I hope you're ready to open up and share all your deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> Definitely. So, what's your single greatest regret in life? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have any. Oh, we all, have don't we like good. learn from everything? That's kind of my take on it. Well, I love that. that <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but <laughs> there are, but there, are, but don't be fooled. There are some really hard hitting questions that John's going to throw at you to wrap this thing up. So yeah. no pressure. I know. We'll uh, we'll lob you a softball first. Uh, we always like to get started learning, you know, why people got into real estate. Um, and for you, you did come from another career. So if mm -hmm. you could just share a little bit about your background and why you decided to become a realtor. Yes. So I've always um, tried to think of this and kind of boil it down, but I guess it's like kind of hard to boil down when you're totally switching careers in a sense. Um, yeah. So I went and got like my undergrad degree and then even my master's in teaching. So I knew from a young age, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, middle school science and math was kind of what I was geared towards. So I got my undergrad degree in that, came out of college, moved back home to Chicagoland, got a job kind of that summer, which was awesome. Yeah. Taught seventh grade science for six years, loved it, but it was just becoming a little exhausting. Like <laughs> Chicago public schools, you know, we went on strike a couple of times and it just, I loved it, but it was so hard to just see the long-term, sure. you know, staying in it for like 30, 40 years. <laughs> They're long days. It's hard work. Like 
And it's, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so coming from teaching, it was kind of having a lot of discussions with who's my now husband. Um, like, what can I do just so that we can get a little more flexibility, you know, a better, happier life where every day isn't just monotonous, I guess. Um, and that was, it's not easy to get your license, but something that isn't like going back to get a degree for two years or like, you know, a business degree or something. Sure. So that's kind of how it all came about. It was just like sitting down, discussing like, what can I do that I love and have a passion for? And I love homes and I love helping people. So it kind of, it was a leap, a little bit of a leap, but something I've always wanted to do. Well, it's something that's worked out really well for you too. I mean, like you are having a fantastic year and, um, you know, and I think that's partly because of, of who you are, but it does help when you really enjoy what you're doing and you can be passionate about it. That just makes it a lot more easy to stay motivated on the challenging days. Cause we all know in real estate, some days are not very easy. Oh, for sure. And like, even just like burnout, I think in any career is just a real thing. And after you know, five, six years of teaching, I already felt like a little burnt out. So after like just three years of real estate, I feel still good to go and that it's just more long haul and sustainable. Is there anything that you think, like coming from that teacher background where you did feel burnt out, is there any like approach you've come gone, you've come into your real estate career to like avoid that? Like, are you mindful about being burnt out? Are you mindful about work-life balance? Like for sure. And a lot of that has to come with, I think, like the flexibility of the schedule. So my husband also works for himself, owns his own business. So it's, it's awesome that we can like plan trips whenever and we're not locked into a certain, you know, calendar year, like summer's off, I can only travel then. Um, you know, we got married in February. So every February, we get to take like an anniversary trip, which is super nice like the flexibility of just being able to like enjoy life and plan things on our terms mm -hmm. is just huge for our quality of life yeah but i also imagine like being your own business owner there has to be a fear that you're not doing enough like all the time even if you are doing enough it has to always feel like you could be doing more that you need to be putting more billable hours on the books like how do you manage those fears and those like that internal need to keep pushing yourself it is a hard-hitting question you weren't kidding oh they um, get tougher i know right up off the top <laughs> of my head can you move <laughs> well that's a good one i mean it's it's something that i think a lot of people might not always reflect on because you just kind of go 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 yeah um what do you think nagin <laughs> Yeah, I think, well, and knowing Jackie too, and just like how dedicated she is to her clients, like I'm sure that you probably sometimes do feel like you can be doing more. And I know I do too. It's tough when you have your own business and you set certain goals for yourself too. So you, in real estate, it's not like you can do something today and get the result today. Like everything that you do, there's going to be a delay. So until you start to see those results come through, you know, I think there's a questioning of, am I doing the right things? Am I doing enough? you know, am I spending my time efficiently? Um, so I think that's a perfectly normal 
you know, feeling yeah. to have, at least for, you know, a realtor who is committed to making this a successful full-time career for themselves. For sure. And then like kind of all of that, totally agree with that, even piggybacking, just like, if you are going out of town, like, yeah, it's great. You have the flexibility, but then you also feel guilty if. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. How do you manage yeah. that? For me, it's kind of setting expectations and just really building a good relationship with my clients. Like if I have a listing that's on the market, I let my sellers know I'm going out of town in advance so that there's no surprises, find coverage for while I'm gone. Um, just really communicate those expectations and let them know like, look, I will be checking email and phone calls like two times a day, morning and night. If it's something more important, shoot me a text. But it's really just kind of setting those expectations so that people don't take advantage of that. Just because I, like, I would never want to take advantage of somebody else's time if they were being like transparent with me. So I just kind of like that mutual respect with me and my clients. Yeah, for sure. And I guess like if you do have a good relationship with your clients, they trust and know that you're going to communicate what needs to be communicated about, about a transaction. They trust that even if you go out of town, you're going to still take care of them. Like, so in building those relationships, it gives you freedom to like live your own life. Yes. I, yeah, I would agree. It just, yeah, it all, yeah go no ahead. go ahead Jackie I was gonna say it all has to for me it just all has to come from a good place yeah like with good motives and good intention and that's just kind of how I live my life when I run my business <laughs> managing expectations is super important in work and personal relationships just in general um, you know mismanage expectations you know, I really, I think that's when you start to lead to frustration and frustration can turn into anger. So being the good agent, like you said, John, and building that relationship on trust is so important so that they can trust yeah. when you're gone, it's going to be good. Um, and that you're going to have, you know, that coverage and that, and that additional support as well. Uh, I think ironically, and I'm sure you've had this happen too, Jackie, it's sometimes like when you take that vacation that all of a sudden, you know, you get all these requests for showings or people want to sell their house. And it's just like the joke in real estate that, you know, take a vacation if you're slow and all the business will come to you. Oddly true. <laughs> <laughs> but you do need vacation. Like if you think about it, your doctor takes time off, you know, and there's very clear hours when you can call them and like boundaries have to be set. We are professionals. And I don't think it's fair to expect that your realtor should work 24 seven. Like they have lives too. And you know, your clients, you know, I'd say the majority of your clients do know that and appreciate that. And they want that for you. They want you to enjoy your life too. I would agree. I think that's something that sometimes agents are like, I'm available 24 seven. And that's like, if you call me at 3am, like I'm <laughs> like, my phone's on airplane mode. Like nothing's coming through. So <laughs> if I do, I'm drunk and you don't want to be talking. <laughs> I can't say, have you ever gotten a 3am call, Jackie? No, no. I mean, I had, um, I, I have a client who's in, China so like we only communicated at oh, night wow. like sure. we communicated between like 8 and 10 p.m because that was like I think it was their morning or whatever so like mm -hmm. I would send an email here at like noon that they wouldn't see till yeah eight. it was just flip-flop so that wasn't just another expectation thing for both of us right and they kept apologizing they're like sorry it's so late and I'm like it's fine this is the only time we can talk yeah. like yeah. <laughs> no way to make this better right I do just want to say I've called both of you at 3 a.m. just to talk and you never answer. So. That is false. I, I don't have any missed calls from you at 3 a.m., sir. Jackie, 
How was the transition between teaching and going to real estate? What were your first couple, what was your first year like in real estate? Was it like what you expected? Was it harder than you expected? What up? I know I was trying to think back and it was a little more tricky because I, I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect to be completely honest. So it's like, I didn't expect for, you know, a transaction right away or something like quick and crazy. I just expected to learn a lot and kind of absorb as much as I can and just say yes to like every opportunity. So kind of going back, I didn't have too much of an expectation. I just wanted to learn and kind of see and make sure that this was like a wise choice. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say it exceeded my expectations and then every year since it just kept growing and I just keep learning. So it's all around like a good move for me. Well, then it sounds like you had like, you had reasonable expectations of your, of beginning your career in real estate, because I feel like it's such a good mindset to like, feel like you're just coming to this business to learn and you're not expecting huge transactions right away. You're just, you had, you had like an absorption mindset. Yes. I mean, I think my personality, I just kind of err on like the side of caution in general. So I try not to like psych myself up too much or get like overworked about certain things. Cause it, sometimes it's just like you're expelling energy into something that may never even happen. So it, that just is like a whole nother, you know, spiraling thing that could happen. So I think my expectations were just very like, let's see what happens. Like I'm going to give this 110%, um, learn as much as I can and go from there, I guess. (laughs) No, but I think that's good though. I mean, like it's good to have, it's good to have goals certainly. And like to have some sort of a business plan up front, but also like you want to make sure that it's something that is achievable as well at the same time. Right. I think like even in my first year when, you know, coming from teaching is like, it's just a whole, every career is totally different. Right. So it's like, when someone started talking about like a business plan, I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, what are we doing here? (laughs) It's like, like I understand the gist of it, but it's like, how am I going to put numbers on paper if it's my first month and I've literally not had a transaction yet. Like that to me was just such a disconnect. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was just like, how do you want me to write a business plan? Like, I don't have a business right now, but putting those numbers on paper and just kind of seeing them and checking them off little by little, it becomes way more obtainable. Do you review it like every quarter or like how, or do you just kind of look beginning of the year and end of the year? Um, monthly? Monthly? Yeah. That's great. I kind of look at... I mean, I have like a running list of all my transactions and then, I mean, monthly, even just like audits, just cause taxes, I don't want, you know what I mean? Like those yeah. creep up. And then I feel like we're always scrambling to like collect all of our documents and everything. So we just kind of do, I say we, Steve and I, we just kind of do everything monthly and, you know, on the first of the month, sit down and look at the previous month, um, just with expenses, transactions, and also just reviewing my business model, you know, number of transactions I've had, the goal, how many do I need? I feel like it's constantly just being reviewed. (laughs) That's great. 
that means you're on you have the pulse on your business and you know what's happening yes yeah. also shout out the husband's name steve because they're like the ogs <laughs> and, and james as well <laughs> okay thanks thanks for including him in that <laughs> i think that's important though jackie too because you know um you're not just a real estate agent, you are a business owner. So like, there's that piece of it that's behind the scenes that's just as important to take care of because you can go out there and sell a hundred homes, but if you're not watching the expenses and tracking everything and like saving money for taxes, like you can end up with no money at the end of the year or worse in debt. So it is important to treat it like a business and take the time that you do. I think it's great you're doing that on a monthly basis. Yeah, I mean, it's all great when you like, you know, it's so different just coming from like a, I get paid bi-weekly and, you know, you expect that money to be there. So it's, that, that was just kind of a learning curve, I guess, just you have to like put the money away and then pay yourself, you know, a salary. <laughs> That's so scary. <laughs> I mean, it is, isn't it? It's very cool. For me, it's very gratifying yeah. to be able to like do that. But in the very beginning, it's it's a little scary. You're definitely taking a risk. I don't know how to be a business owner. Like that's such an added pressure on top of learning how to be a real estate agent. Yeah. I guess that's why we have Nagin to teach our new agents how to plan their business. Well, and that's something, I mean, like realistically and just using our office as an example, mm -hmm. like, you know, not just me, but David and Diana, like that's, you know, something that is important and why we stress having a business plan and doing that, especially when you're first getting into the business. And, um, you know, we have marketing budgeting worksheets and business expense worksheets and a calculator that you can reverse engineer. Okay. If I want to take home X number of dollars, you can figure out how much volume you need to sell and how many transactions that is. So like Jackie, you mentioned not knowing the numbers to make a plan when you first get started because right. you have no context for it. Um, but like those types of things kind of like help give you a target so you can say, okay, if I need to sell this many homes and I need to talk to X number of people every day or be doing these activities and then you can like really focus on day to day what you need to do instead of this like really scary, like, oh my gosh, in 12 months, I have to sell this kind of volume and I have no idea where it's going to come from and how I'm going to do it. Yes. That, that's a real thing. Cause it's like you sit down in January and you're like, okay, new, new plan for the year. And you're like. I, you know, I want 20 transactions and it's like, well, where are all 20 of these coming from? And then if you, you know what, it's like, yeah. but if you're doing what you just do consistently every day, I mean, it truly does kind of have that snowball effect. What are some of the ways that you've generated business for yourself over the last few years and how has that changed if it has? It's a good one. Um, I have mostly leaned into just like building relationships just with my sphere my family friends and then I talk to like everybody <laughs> <laughs> but that's just kind of me like it, it it's just kind of my personality so I think just um establishing yourself like as a professional and as a resource just kind of talking to people they tend to kind of lean into that. Um, I'm not so much like the cold calling type. It's just not really my personality and it feels very outside of me to do that. Sure. So I just lean into what I feel like I'm good at. <laughs> and then getting like yeah. referrals from past clients. That's 
huge to me because you know you've already kind of established a little bit of a connection yeah from 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 everything i've learned about real estate is like the best business plan to generate leads is just be true to who you are and like take your natural gifts and affinities and like use that to build business yeah i yeah. can't do things that don't feel right like to me like in anything in life i just like if it doesn't feel good i just can't back it <laughs> yeah well, I think you'll be more motivated to to do those things that, and not to say that like everything should bring you joy in this business. There's stuff we have to do, you know, <laughs> that we don't enjoy doing. But you know, if you if you do have you know ways to build your business that also like are joyful to you and they feel authentic to who you are and and they are your strengths, why not double down on your strengths? For sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think. Go ahead. No, after you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, in the beginning, you like your first year, my first year, I just feel like there were so many things I was either reading or listening to, or, um, I don't know, watching. And it's just all, every agent does something totally different and totally different things work for every agent. So it's like, kind of have to just lean into really like what works for you. That's what I found. Did you know that going in or like, did you just kind of stumble upon it? Like, oh, you know what? I'm actually really good at just generating business out of the people I already know. I mean, I went into everything just with like, like, I'll try it. But it, some of it just felt so unnatural. So I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna figure out what works for me. Do you think, um, were there parts of your teacher career that translated into your real estate career? For sure. <laughs> like organization is like a huge one. I mean, I was keeping track of 130 students, their yeah. papers, their grades, That's their crazy. names, like everything. Like, do you know how many kids, like it was, it was a lot. So like just organization and just managing and knowing, like, I mean, I had to like know all their schedules. Like if I needed a kid, I need to know what room they were in, like when. So it was like, wow. it was just the constant. That seems overwhelming to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Great. same>. so, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a little overwhelming, but like that helped me so much in this because it just set up like, I'm just already an organized person. So that was like something that translated super well. Um, I don't know, dealing with people, like I was dealing with like 12 and 13 year olds every day. So it was like, I got this, like it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's like a relational boot camp, right? Like you're dealing with the kids, you're dealing with other teachers, you're dealing with the kids' parents, like you're talking to all sorts of people all the time. For sure. And you, I mean, you have to keep like everyone in the loop too. So it's like, it's just that constant communication and just being responsive. Like if a parent like calls emails or texts you, like you need to respond. <laughs> you can't just like not do that. Like that's your job. <laughs> just blow them off. Who yeah, cares? right? They, blow, they would blow you off, but you know, you can't do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work both ways. No. Um, so like that definitely translated over, yeah, just kind of like the whole relationship management organization. What about the teaching side of it? Like, do you, because I mean, you seem like a natural teacher to me, you know, just from what we know about you, you know, here from working with you in real estate, like, does that come into play when you're working with clients, especially first time home buyers? Um, and just like being able to like really teach them what, what they can expect and what the process is going to be like. 
Definitely. And I think that is one of the more fun parts of like my business slash like the job for me um, is sitting down with people, especially first time home buyers. Cause I mean, you don't do it much. Like some people just buy one home in their lifetime. Like, you know, it's not like you do it every single day. So really just kind of sitting down and teaching them is a lot of fun to me because it still kind of brings me back to like, you know, like I've just created my own process for it, like own paperwork, um, presentation and such. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like I'm just back teaching and kind of reverse engineering it and going, okay, like, what do I think they should know? When should they know it so that it's not so overwhelming? And how do you like build in all these things? Like you could, like I'll sit down and talk to first time homebuyers about earnest money and they don't remember what that is until like you go to actually write the contract. And remember when we talked about this, like they just don't want surprises. So you have to like, it's kind of an overload of information and it, as you're going through the transaction, they're like, oh, this is what you were talking about. And that's like an aha moment. And literally that was like when I would be teaching. <laughs> well, and like the value of that can't be understa- understated because I remember my first time buying a house, it was the scariest, most confusing thing I've we've ever done, you know? Mm-hmm. And like uh, our real estate agents, he's a friend, he wasn't the best teacher. So yeah, I felt like there was a surprise, there's a curveball every other day in this home buying process. So like being able to lay the process out clearly and succinctly to someone is like such a huge deal. What was the thing that was like most surprising for you when you were buying? I just love asking this to people just so I know how to like. All of it. Like it was like the inspections and having to pay for the inspections and then paying and then earnest money. And then like when all this stuff was due and then. It was just everything. Like we had no idea what the process was. I wasn't stupid enough to think that it's just like you get a mortgage and you you, you get the loan and then you're done. But I didn't know all the steps, you know, because there are a lot of steps. There's a lot, and there's a lot behind the scenes that is happening yeah. that you kind of have to trust your realtor to do because right. it's like I, you know, if I'm gonna fill something out, like you just kind of have to trust that. I know what I'm doing and I'm putting the numbers in the right spot. Like, <laughs> Right. Like, I know he probably talked to us about the commission he was getting. I don't remember that. I don't, you know, it's just such an overload of information. I'm also not super smart when it comes to this kind of thing. So that may have been on me, but. <laughs> but nobody, but nobody knows what they're doing the first time they buy a house. Like that's why you need, you know, a realtor who can explain explain it to you like literally like teach you because you don't even know what questions to ask when it's your first time yeah I mean I tell like all my first-time buyers I'm like we're gonna sit and we're gonna like meet for an hour and I'm gonna go over everything and there are like a million different ways a transaction can go so like I can't even explain half of it to you right now like it's really just gonna be as we're going through it, if something comes up and something happens, like we're just going to have to adjust and adapt as necessary. Yeah. And that's where the trust comes in. Yeah. Cause anything could happen and you just they have to trust that you as an agent are going to take care of it and make the best decision for them as a client. For sure. Yeah. I would say that's kind of like, that means a lot to me. You know what I mean? When like my clients can trust me in that because It is such a big thing for most people. The biggest. (laughs) 
It, no, you're right. But you're right. Like both of you, like sometimes it's the mo most expensive asset or the biggest purchase someone's made in their entire life. Yeah. And like in their twenties sometimes, you know, so it's like, right. yeah. I mean, my first home was like $5 million, you know, and that was a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> you should be buying me lunch more, John, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> working here if that's the case. <laughs> Um, Jackie, you said something I just kind of want to touch on real quick because I know like, especially from like doing trainings in the office and like talking to agents, not everybody does a buyer consultation, but you just mentioned you sit down for like an hour or so. Mm -hmm. um, you, are you a huge proponent for having that consultation before you just go out and start looking at stuff with your clients? I am. Yes. Um, a hundred percent. Now I know some clients prefer to, you know, maybe just see a few open houses, see a few things. But like, if someone's super serious about it, like you, my biggest thing is just, I want to make sure they're educated on it. Right. So like, there's definitely some clients that I'll take an approach of like, okay, we can casually start looking just so you can kind of understand what you want or what you like or don't like, but we really should kind of sit down and have some sort of real conversation because I don't ever want my clients to feel like I'm not like doing what I should be doing. Yeah. Right. So like everyone's a little bit different in like when that happens, like, I mean, I'll have buyer consults and someone's not ready to buy for a year, but they're, they just right. want to know everything that's coming their way. Right. I mean, it just goes into like different personalities. So you kind of have to like read who they are and what's going to work best for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I have some clients right now who are just going to open houses on the weekend, like kind of getting a feel for things, but like probably springtime they'll write an offer. So it's like, they just want to, they don't want to feel overwhelmed right now. So I'm not doing that buyer consult just yet. Because yeah. that makes it like official, like official, official. Well, some people just like to like, and I respect it. They keep to themselves a little bit more, especially if they're like friends or family, you know, sometimes that line of like knowing all their finances, which like, I don't need to know every single thing. I just need to know that you can buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so it, it really kind of depends on the person and where they're at with the transaction. But a hundred percent, I think it's so important to sit down and kind of do a real buyer consultation. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. So, um, you kind of teed me up for that question and I knew what I was going to get as an answer. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so important. I, you know, I, and I get the urge to just like want to always do what our clients want us to do when they want it. But like going back to what we said earlier, those boundaries and those expectations are so important and nobody knows when they're buying, especially their first house, even if they bought a house before things change over time. I mean, COVID just changed a lot of things that we do. So it's just really important when they're ready to like start going out and like really looking at houses yeah. with you. So I'm, yeah, I think that's, I think that's awesome that you take that time and like really make sure they get it. It's so important to me because otherwise you start going through the transaction and then you're asking them for like, you know, you call them to submit the offer and you're like, okay, like how much do you want to put down for earnest money? And they're like, what's that? And then it's like, <laughs> you're, just, you're, you're right? just creating more work for like yourself as in like the agent at the end of the day, like you got to work smarter, not harder. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, can you imagine like how emotional it is when you're buying a house and like to get a contract and manage your emotions, but also know that you don't know anything about what you're signing. Like that's, that's crazy to me. 
Yeah, it's a lot of words, a lot of legal stuff. A lot of stuff. <laughs> and words are hard. Yeah, especially when they're written like in a contract. But I mean, that's what the agent's for. And that's why you get a lot of just professionals involved that do this all the time that know how to like help you navigate it. Right. What has been one of the, what has been one of the, one of the transactions that has stuck out to you the most in your career and why? So like my first transaction was fun. That was my cousin and her husband bought a house. So like, that was fun. Like that'll always kind of stick out with me. Um, and the house like didn't appraise for what they were going to pay. So like, that was just, you know, kind of, a, that's always kind of a nightmare. So then you have to like, navigate through that so like that one definitely sticks out because you're like okay the first you know transaction and here's six curveballs like nothing's easy um that definitely stuck out yeah that, that was just like a special one so that would be like my well i have a follow-up question for both of you then how often out of all the transactions you've done how many have just been like simple easy and clean and how many have had like some kind of curveball they're, they're mostly not easy, right? No. Less than a quarter are like what you expect. Yeah. Okay. Same. Right? Yeah. When you think about like how many people are involved in a transaction, you've got a buyer, you have a seller, and those parties can be multiple people. It can be a couple, it can be a family, it can be co-investors. You've got a buyer's agent, you've got a seller's agent, you've got a seller's attorney, a buyer's attorney, you have a loan officer. I mean, there are so many people involved and humans make errors. So there's that. Not everybody, you know, Jackie, I'm sure educates her clients well, but maybe the seller's agent hasn't really educated his client well in the process. So that right. can cause problems. And then there's all the other just like random things that can happen. So like Jackie, you mentioned earlier, all the things you do behind the scenes for your clients. Yeah. Like it's, it's no joke. Realtors don't just get paid to open doors. Like that's yeah. a quarter of a percent of what we do. Everything else is all the things we're doing to help keep things together for you or put deals together for you and, and get you through the process. hundred percent. Like just dealing with like different personalities and kind of managing that and making sure that like a deal doesn't fall apart because of something going on on the other side of the transaction, I yeah. think is major. Like just being nice to people. Like, <laughs> I mean, you don't know how many times, like, I feel like that's helped me like represent a seller or a buyer, just like being a good agent and a good person and responsive, like getting deal, like offers accepted because, you know, Hey, we really appreciate like the time and energy that like you've put into presenting this offer and the letter your clients wrote or like something like that. Like, right. There's so many steps <laughs> but you know those and your clients don't know to do those things so like that's the huge value add you bring right and again yeah if you're if, if you can provide all those things plus be a good teacher plus be a nice person who's nice to be around like that that's your value you should be i feel like a real estate agent should should comfort should be the comforting force in a transaction for the client right i mean yeah. they also need to be able to play hardball and like make hard decisions but yeah. You're it's like fun. baby's parent. You're just coddling this little <laughs> home buyer. I mean, it should be fun. Like yeah. in my opinion, like it's a fun thing. And when it's like not fun, it just becomes 
Like, why are you doing this? Like, don't just do it because you think you should. Just keep renting. <laughs> and that works just fine for some people. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think actually, I know you were joking when you said that, John, but sometimes like the best decision is to like, the best, sometimes the best thing we can do for our clients is be like, maybe you need to think about if this is the right time for you or if this is really the right property or opportunity. Like maybe you're better off doing what you're doing or just making a small adjustment to your yeah. living situation that you have right now and we'll revisit this in six months. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a huge part of it too, where it's like, you don't want someone to feel like forced into buying or doing something like if their situation doesn't call for that and they're, you know what I mean? They're feeling stressed or anxious. Like you kind of have to have those real conversations and conversations and just say like, look, maybe we should just take a step back and revisit this and just keep in touch. And I mean, you just have to do what's best for your client at the end of the day, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that's like a long longevity mindset for your business, right? Because of course you want your client to just take whatever house, right? You want to check, right? But you know, long-term that, that won't work in your favor. Right. Yeah. Jackie, I'm curious because with COVID, obviously like it's, it's been challenging the last six, seven months. I don't know how many months it's been anymore, but like we, without being able to see people in person, yeah. how, and, and given that your business is primarily based on relationships and referrals from those relationships, like what types of activities are you doing to continue to like nurture those relationships and grow them? And like, how have you had to pivot thanks to the pandemic? Thanks to the pandemic. Um, really just kind of, calling, texting, checking in with people, um, sending like relevant information to them. Like, Hey, just to make sure, you know, did you get your home? Did you sign up for your homeowner's exemption? Like mm. keeping them clued in on, you know, I mean, it's kind of stuff I already do, but just yeah. like, you know, tax bills are coming due, or if you want to contest your taxes, you know, that's coming up or your township has opened, things like that. So it's really just kind of staying in touch with people. I was supposed to have a, like a client appreciation party in March. That's got canceled. <laughs> like I, I like, I postponed it hoping that like, you know, in a couple months I can do like a summer party. No, that's not happening. So I can't really like three weeks. <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, oh, this is just postponed. Like, <laughs> Like, that's something I find a lot of fun because all my clients get to come. It's more face-to-face -face time with people. I might, you know, we closed on your home six months ago and I haven't seen you since or it's, and then with COVID, you can't like, just be like, hey, you want to grab a drink? Like, you can't really do those things. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, especially when you have spent always so much time or like put a lot of value into face-to-face. -face. Yeah. And Zoom happy hours are, we're done with those, right? I think we're all kind of sick of those at this point. I know John is. Can't stand it. I don't want to be like drinking in front of a computer screen. Like that's so like, I just want to drink alone in my house. <laughs> <laughs> the novelty definitely wore off. Like, yeah. I mean, the whole beginning, I think of quarantine was kind of like, oh, this is cool. You can just be in your sweatpants all day and. And then it was like, okay, this is getting a little scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got old real fast. It did. Um, one thing I just, a little Jackie story I want to share, just when I realized just how awesome and thoughtful of a person you are is when I first met you, like 
you know, we were working, working together. So we didn't see each other all the time. And a month later I got in, engaged and you brought me just like a really nice card and a little gift of these like um, bling wipes mm-hmm. for like keeping your ring clean. And like, I hardly even knew you. I thought that was just so thoughtful. Um, just the way that you always like think about just making other people feel special. Um, so I just wanted to share that story about you. Cause I think that's important. And if you take that same approach to your relationships, it's like, no wonder why, you know, you're doing well and you don't do it to get the business. So that's just the natural result of being the good, amazing, thoughtful person that you already are. And you gave me a Dutch oven. For my <laughs> such, such a cool person. <laughs> Wait, did you bake your uh, contest bread today in the Dutch oven? I make sourdough because I didn't have time. Oh, okay. Me too. And I'm still waiting for a loaf. Oh yeah. Well, I'll make a sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> make it, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Um, yeah that kind of is just I like giving little gifts like I think it's just kind of the thought that goes behind it it doesn't need to be anything grandiose um and it's just I don't know more than it's just always the thought behind something yeah we can tell that it's also fun for you to do those things like that brings you joy being able to put a smile on someone's face it does I think in the world right now we all need more human connection and a few more smiles so (laughs) Um, I have one more question for you. And I think, I know John's got some good ones. Um, but like looking ahead to 20, <laughs> to 2021, like, have you thought at all about like your business plan or things that you want to work towards or things that you're excited to try to do in 2021, depending on the, uh, you know, what we're allowed to do with COVID and all of that. It's a good one. Um, we got nothing but good questions here. I know. And I just keep saying that's a good one. <laughs> Cause I mean, like working, not in like your typical office setting, I guess. Like you don't come across like these questions all the time. <laughs> um, I mean, a goal for me is just to kind of double my business every year. Okay. So, you know, how sustainable that is in a couple of years, that requires a whole different conversation, <laughs> but, you know, but like, <laughs> um, no, I think it's just to kind of keep doing the same things I'm doing and just keep consistent with that because it's working for me. Um, I want to get back to having like my client party. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's just kind of keeping consistent. I know that's not like the most exciting answer. No, but that's legit, especially (laughs) after a year of the unknown and a year of like, honestly, just trying to make it work and like thrive when you can, like, going back to your normal and like consistency and being able to do client parties and like do all that. That's, that's a reasonable goal to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally, I totally agree. And I think the consistency yet yeah, might not be, you know, a sexy concept. Like I'm just going to be real consistent and that's going to make me <laughs> successful. But honestly, like that's, that's why you've done well. Like that's the, the piece I think that often gets lost is just like having that schedule that enforces you to be consistent with your actions every day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. uh, I approve. <laughs> um, Jonathan Bradford. Okay. Ready for your two hard hitting questions. Oh, geez. If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? But it has to be like a good answer. What I don't want to like, a, a dog because it, it, they're cute. Like that's garbage. Oh God. Um, 
I know that's like just the basic answer. I think it would be okay. I don't really like birds, but I feel like it would be cool to be, I don't know what kind of bird, not like a dirty pigeon or anything, but like to like be able to fly and just like see a like bug. a hawk, an owl. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Owls are cool, but you'd be nocturnal then. I don't know if I could handle that. I, I would think some kind of bird. Koalas are cute. I have no real good answer for this one. Mm. Nothing in the ocean, because that just terrifies me. Not a pelican. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't I like water animals. Dogs. They live a pretty good life. So. Oh, I guess penguins can't fly, but I bet being a penguin would be pretty fun. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Do you get like a lot of good answers for that one? I'm not super yeah, creative. I mean, everyone has a different answer. We've had a bird before. That's the only reason I wanted you to be more specific. But um, I'll just pick one for you. I don't know like a lot of birds. I just think like, I don't like about it. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, a toucan? Do they fly? Yeah, they definitely fly. They live in the rainforest. Sure. They're colorful. They're great. I know. It's specific. Yeah. Um, random. I'm like a bald eagle. That's kind of cool. No, but if you're a toucan, then you get your own fruit <laughs> reel. Get me on what? You get Fruit Loops. That, okay, I thought that's what you said. <laughs> I'm telling you, these are hard-hitting questions. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to be a toucan whether you like it or not. Um, Good. Question. What do you, you want to be remembered for in your life? Like, what do you want your gravestone to say? Oh, jeez. This is a real pivot. (laughs) Right? Oh, my gosh. Just off the top of your head. This one you need to think about less than the animal question. I know, right? Um, I don't know. Something just, like, enjoy life and live it to the fullest. That's fair. That's I love a- that. Like mine would be, I want to be remembered for making people feel joy and smile. That's cute. You know? Oh, I cool. like that. Yeah, I'm going to your answer. No, Nadine's is the same as John's, not to rip you off, but that's good. Yeah, I think just like the way, who said it? Was that, um, was that the, um, the Maya Angelou quote? And I might, it might not be her, but it's like, people don't remember what you say or do, but basically like how you make them feel. How you made them Holy feel. Yeah. But like that, like just making people, yeah. you know, feel heard and seen and appreciated. Yeah. Um, I want to be remembered for calling greatness out in others. That used to be my, my youth pastor. That's cute. I love that. Thanks guys. <laughs> this is great. You win that one. <laughs> Yeah, I want to be remembered for, I don't know, just helping people, like, just love their life. Like, yeah. bring a smile to people's faces. Yeah. Enjoy. That's, I mean, when I think about who you are, like, that's what makes sense to me. Okay. So what you already do. Good. Put it on my tombstone. That's so yeah. I will. I'll start <laughs> today. <laughs> Um, well, Jackie, you survived the podcast. So <laughs> thank fun. you for joining us. Um, we really appreciated having you and thanks for just, you know, sharing a little bit more about who you are and your business and, you know, how it is that you support your clients. Obviously, John and I already knew that you're a rock star. So, um, we just love that you got to share that with our listeners. 
if anybody does want to reach out to you, um, either to have you help them with a transaction mm -hmm. or uh, another realtor who has got some questions, just wants to pick your brain, yeah. what's the best way that someone can reach you? Um, either email or phone. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll put the, that information in the show notes. Um, yeah. Do you have social, a social media handle where people can follow you? Oh, yeah. Um, on Instagram, Jackie period Hinton underscore Chai Realtor. Awesome. Whatever. We'll share that in the show notes as well so people can okay. come find you. But thank you so much for joining us today, Jackie. This was great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.